I want to preach to you this morning on getting the most out of the miracle. Getting the most out of the miracle. Getting the most out of what God is doing in your life. God is at work. Ever since the beginning, in the beginning, God created, and ever since then, God has been at work. Jesus said, my Father works hitherto, and I work. I do the work that you have sent me to do. I am glad that even when I can't see what's going on, God is at work. I was talking with a friend this week, and they're struggling with the burden of experiencing something that's taken place over a number of years in their life, and they're struggling to see what God is doing. But I can assure you, even when I can't tell you what God is doing in your life, even when I can't tell you what's going to be the outcome of it, even when I can't tell you what could possibly be good in the bad situation that you're in, I can assure you that God is at work. But I want to get out of what God is doing, everything that He has in it for me. In this passage in John chapter 6, we see really several layers of experience. You know, you can go through the same experience. Two people or multiple people can go through the same experience and they can get different things out of it. Now, my, my grandmother, I talk about her often, but she's in an assisted living home, so she's not able to do this now. But for many years, the holidays was about going to her house for Christmas. And she had special things that she fixed for certain ones of us. She knew that we loved, and she had the, what she called the in-law casserole. And it was the casserole that her daughter-in-law and her son-in-law loved. And then I loved it too, but they didn't name it after me. I just was just sort of, I didn't care as long as they get me a big plate of it. And they had something for everybody. Now, I could take you to that meal. And you could sit there, and there's a layer. You would enjoy a good meal. But for me to be able to do that, there's something more than just walking away with a full stomach. I would have the experience of, hey, this brings back so many memories. How many times have I gone to her house at Christmas and sat at this table and all the nostalgia and all the memories would flood back and I would get, I would get more out of it than just a meal. But beyond that, she's my grandma. <laughs> and I love my grandma. And I would get to have time with her. So it would go beyond just a really good meal. It would go beyond just the fond memories the greatest thing would get to be to have time with her. Now these days her hearing's not so good, and so she yells and you yell back, but she doesn't hear what you're yelling at her, so it really doesn't do a whole lot of good. But I would get to have that time and that moment with her. In this, in this account, in this miracle, there are some who enjoyed the meal. They walked away with a full stomach. There are others who saw a miracle and were impressed with the miracle. They knew something miraculous had happened. They knew this was not something that could be explained with some naturalistic explanation. But there were some that encountered the message himself. You see, whatever God is doing in our lives, we may go away with just the bare minimum. We may get that God meets a need, but God wants us to get so much more out of that. And so this morning, I want you to see in this text, I want you to see how important it is for us to get the most out of what God is doing in our lives. In chapter 6, I want to read in verse, begin reading in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, which were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. 
When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. As we think about this account, you know the basic story of it. It's the only miracle that's found in all four of the Gospels, but it's the miracle of the feeding of the multitude. 5,000 men, some estimate 15 to 20,000 people if you count women and children. We don't know exactly how many, but there's a lot of people there to hear Jesus teach. And as Jesus is teaching, he looks up and he sees this multitude and he, he understands their, their need. He understands that they're hungry. And of course, the, the disciples say, hey, if we had a year's worth of wages, how would we possibly begin to feed this crowd? If there was even something close, we're out in the wilderness, we're away from town. How can we possibly feed this crowd? The little boy comes and he doesn't have much. He just has his own personal lunch. I want to point out to you that there's no indication that this little boy is bringing this to Jesus to try to inspire a miracle. It's not as if this little boy thinks, hey, I can give this to Jesus and Jesus is going to do something miraculous with it. It seems as if Jesus, he comes to Jesus and the disciples for Jesus to have his lunch. I want you to know that we face a crowd-sized task with a child-sized lunch. We don't have a lot to bring, but when we give what we have to Jesus, Jesus is able to take it and do beyond anything we can imagine. All we do is come to him and say, Lord, here I am. I'm not much to look at. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sort of ugly, and I'm overweight, and I don't know a whole lot, and I don't have skills, and I don't have abilities, but Lord, here's my bread and my fish. Take it and use it. It's for you. And then Jesus takes that, and he does extraordinary things with it. And that's the blessedness of this miracle. But as he does this, there are those who in the crowd got a meal. If you look down to verse 12, it says they were all filled. In fact, in verse 11, it says they ate as much as they would. I want to tell you, this crowd ate. This crowd had plenty to eat. Some people were probably just eating a little bit. I'll, uh, I'll take one of those fish. and Is that bread, bread gluten-free? I'll take a little bit of that bread. And then there were others that ate their fill. I'll guarantee you there were some in the crowd that had more than just one piece of bread and one piece of fish. I always remember the time when I was a kid, and it sticks in my mind. This is so how impressive it was. How many of y'all remember back in the day when Shoney's first came out with the breakfast buffet? Any of y'all remember that? Oh, mercy, you could hurt yourself. Some of y'all are already planning your Sunday lunch. Where are we going after lunch? We're going to find some place that's got a lot of food. I remember about the second time I ever went there. Boy, that was pretty impressive when I was a kid because you could go and, man, you could get all the bacon you wanted. I mean, that was, man, now I'm thinking about bacon. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You could go and eat as much. But So we went and we got there to, to Shoney's and we went in and there was a guy sitting there and I don't know how many plates he had had before we got there, but there was at least one empty on the table already. And you know, most people, when they prepare their plate of food, there's a little bit here, and they sort of do it in sections. This man didn't know anything about sections. He did layers. And he had eggs, and he had grits, and he had a layer. And the layer, I mean, I'm not lying. This is not evangelistically speaking. This is the honest. I'm not preaching now. I'm telling the truth. This is... This... This was mounded up. It was piled up. And I'm telling you what, he was going to it. He ate that plate, 
And while we were there, he went back and got another plate and finished it, same pile. He went back, he, he finished three plates while we were there. So he had one before, three while we were there, and he was working on a fourth when we left. I don't know how long the man stayed there. I think that Shoney's closed down about a week later after. So I'm convinced that when it says they had as much as they wanted, there were some people in the crowd that ate like that man ate. I mean, they, hey, bring that basket back over here. I need some more of that. And so they filled and they ate their fill. What a miracle. What an impressive thing to take from one person's, one little boy's lunch and do so much with it. But there were those who went away, and that's all they experienced. They were filled. Now, were they glad they had that food? Yes, that doesn't take away from that, that moment, that meal that they got. It met a particular need for them. There are times in our life when God answers a prayer, or when we come into a worship service and God's presence is made known, and we experience that. And there are those who will walk away. There are some who will walk away from this service this morning, and they'll say, hey, I went to church. Check my box. That's what I did. And is it good for them to be in the house of God? Yes, it is. Is it good for us to be together? Yes, it is. But unfortunately, that's all they'll get. They'll have their need met. They'll have the meal. But there are others in this story that they not only got a stomach full, they actually were impressed. They saw that something miraculous had taken place. There are some who, when God does something, they, they experience God meets the need. But they don't give God credit for it. There are those who take this story. I remember reading years ago a man explaining this. He said, Jesus didn't really do anything miraculous here. The little boy brought his lunch, and everybody else saw the crowd, and they were afraid to pull their lunch out because somebody might want some of theirs. And so when he began to share his, that inspired everybody else. So it's really a story of kindness inspiring other kindness. And suddenly when Jesus you know, bless this little boy's lunch, they all felt guilty and started bringing their food out and sharing it with each other. It's nothing really miraculous that takes place. Every time God does something, every time God works in an unusual way, there are people who will have some explanation for it. When a church goes through a series of revival, an experience of revival, there are those who will say, well, they just got worked up in the flesh. They just got excited. Or they'll come to a worship service that's extraordinary and people begin to move and God blesses and people flood the altar and people are worshiping and God's at work and they say, man, they sure were pumped up this morning. They'll, they'll, they'll credit the music or the sermon or whatever took place. They can't acknowledge that it was God who was at work. And so there were those who saw the miracle. Look down in verse, look down in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. And verse 15 says, Jesus said he knew that he perceived they would try to make him king. They knew there was something unusual about this. They knew, hey, something miraculous took place. So there are those who received the meal. There are those who were impressed by the miracle. Hey, something unusual happened. Whether it's in our worship or whether it's in our lives. There are times we go through experiences and God will meet a need in, an un, in a miraculous way. He'll answer a prayer. He'll provide the finances for something. He'll, he'll do some unusual work in our life. And we'll step back and we'll say, God, thank you. You met that need. I experienced that. But I see that you did it in a miraculous way. Wow, that's impressive. That's great. But we can't stop there. Because that's not the ultimate goal of what God has for us. Now listen, I, want my, I, I love the meal and I love the miracle. 
But it's not ultimately about receiving the meal and seeing the miracle. It's about the message. And for us, the message is not what is the message. It's who is the message. It's about Jesus. See, what God is doing in our lives is not just to throw a few things to us. It's about so we will know him. I want you to drop down to verse 60. Some were impressed by Jesus' miracle, but they were offended at the message. Verse 60, he says, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. What is the hard saying? Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. In John, the miracles are always connected with a message. For example, in John chapter 9, when Jesus heals the blind man and gives him his sight, he preaches the message, I am the light of the world. He has some message that's connected with it. Here, as he is giving them the physical bread, he is also saying to them in this text, in John 6, you can read the whole chapter later, he is saying, I'm the bread of life. What you think is the physical need, what your desire is, what the, that physical need that you have is not really about the physical need. It's to point you to a deeper need. It's to point you to what you need above all, and that is me. Jesus is drawing them to himself. He is pointing them. When they break that bread and they're serving it around, yes, it fills their stomach, and what an answer to many of their prayers it was. They were hungry. And when God works in our lives, we can say, God, thank you for doing that. But God, what are you showing me about yourself? What are you revealing to me about yourself? God wants you to know him. That's why he always does the miraculous is to reveal himself, not merely just to fill our stomachs. In Exodus, when God did the ten plagues on Egypt and performed the ten plagues, what does he say? He tells Moses, I'm going to do these so that the Egyptians may know that I am God. He says, when I'm done with them, Pharaoh will know that I am God. Do you think at the end of the plagues, Egypt and Pharaoh knew that he was God? God does a pretty good, pretty good job of revealing himself. When God worked in Job's life, as we saw some months back, why did God do that? It was not just to randomly put Job through an experience. He experienced what he went through so that at the end he could say, I, have heard, I had heard about you with my ear, but now I have seen you with my eye. I know God at a deeper level, with a deeper understanding, in a more intimate way than I did before I went through this experience. See, that's what God wants. God is at work in your life, and He wants you to get the most. He doesn't, he doesn't want you just to be the person who walks away having had the meal. He doesn't want you just being the person who's impressed with the miracle. He wants you to know the message. And we see this as He comes down to the end of the chapter when some understand what Jesus said and some do not, how can I get the most out of what God is doing? How can we get the most out of the miracle? How can you get the most out of this service this morning? How can you get the most out of your prayer life? How can you get the most out of the challenges and the storms that you're going through? How can you get the most out of every way that God is at work in your life? You can experience that this morning. There are some here this morning that what you need to get, you need to know the bread of life. 
you're here and maybe you're empty and you're searching for something and you don't know exactly what you need and maybe what you think you need is just something that's pointing, to, pointing you to what you desperately need. These people were physically hungry for bread, but it was pointing them to what they needed far more than the bread. Why? Because just hours later, that, that meal was gone and they were hungry again. The things of this earth, even the things that God provides for us, are just temporary. The miracles that Jesus performed, the lame getting their, being able to walk again, the blind getting their sight back, some point later in life, even being raised from the dead, Lazarus raised from the dead, but what happened? At some point, Lazarus died again. That miracle was just temporary. The feeding, the, the satisfaction in their stomach was just temporary. And there may be somebody here this morning, what you think you're searching for is something that will satisfy you, something that will give you hope in life, something that you will give you blessing in life. And some people may even think the church will provide that. If I could just connect with a good church, get to know people, that'll meet the need for community, that'll meet this need. Those things can happen, but it'll just be temporary. What that need is doing is pointing you to the greatest need. And their need for physical bread was pointing them to their need for the bread of life. Because the physical bread goes away, the bread of life is eternal. And nothing satisfies like that. So this morning, you may, your need may be to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's the only one who satisfies. There may be others who you think your need is, God, I need physical healing. And you may, God may bring healing to you, but he doesn't always do that. Paul said, I prayed fervently three times and God didn't take away the thorn in my flesh. We don't know what the thorn was, but it was something in his flesh. And God didn't take it away. But what did that thorn do? It pointed him to a deeper need. It pointed him to the fact he needed Jesus. He needed the grace of God that was sufficient for that need. Shared with our Sunday school class this morning. Charles Spurgeon said, I have learned to kiss the wave that casts me upon the rock of ages. What is that? That is learning to look at the thing in our life that is casting us on the rocks, but is pushing us to Jesus. And we learn to appreciate and we learn to look at that need. And it's no longer seen as just a need that we're desperate for it to be met. It is pointing us to Jesus. It is driving us to Jesus to lean on him. And that's what God has for us. So, very quickly, how do we get, I want you to see from this text, I want you to see from these scriptures how we can get the most out of the miracle. The first thing is, I want you to see this in verse 6, we get the most out of the miracle when we grow. Look in verse 6, then Jesus said to, this Jesus said to prove him, Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. He says in verse 5 to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? He wanted to prove him. He wanted to learn the nature or the character of Philip's faith. Philip has already expressed a statement of faith back in chapter 1 when he calls Nathanael to come to Jesus and says, this is the Messiah. So Philip already has a measure of faith, but Jesus wants to take that faith to another level. He wants to test it. He wants to prove it so that it can demonstrate he is developing his faith. God doesn't just care about filling our belly. God cares about filling and developing our faith. This is what is taking place. Jesus purposefully addresses this, not to the disciples in general, but to Philip particularly. 
Why? Because he wants Philip's faith to grow. He's wanting to work in Philip. See, God and Jesus never ask a question out of a lack of knowledge. In the Garden of Eden, when God said to Adam, Adam, where are you? He did not ask that because Adam was successful in hiding from him. He did that because he wanted Adam to be made aware of where he was in relation to where he usually was, where he should be. Adam should be there waiting to walk with God, but instead he's hiding in the bushes. Adam, where are you? I'm hiding in the bushes. Why? Because there's sin. He's making them aware of something. And so God, or Jesus here, is testing Philip or proving Philip. He wanted to develop Philip's faith. Developing our faith is more than just a byproduct of God's work in us. It is God's work in us. He wants us to grow in our faith. You see, this need didn't catch Jesus by surprise. He knew what he would do. When Jesus woke up that morning, he was not wondering what's going to happen today. Many of us do that. What's possibly going to go wrong today? Jesus knew what would happen, and he was ready, and he knew what he would do. The events in your life and my life don't catch God by surprise. He knows what's going on. He will not only meet our need, but he will do it in such a way that builds and strengthens our faith. So if we want to get the most out of what God is doing, we need to be with Philip and we need to grow. We need to experience the work that God is doing in us. Aren't you glad he's working in us? God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And so he is at work in us. But then I want you to see down in verse 10, we not only are to grow, but to get the most out of the miracle, we need to go. We need to be a part of the miracle. In verse 10, Jesus said to them, Make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And then when they were filled, he said, Gather up. What does he do? He involves the disciples, not just in observing, but in participating. You see, that's what God, His work in us, for us to get the most out of it. There are some who are willing to observe and say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? But for us to really get the most out of it, our task is to be involved in the work of what God is doing, in the sharing of the bread of life. Have you ever thought about the fact that we get to be a part of the most amazing miracle that has ever taken place? To walk away from this account and to say, man, did you see what happened? I got to be one of the ones that carried the bread. I got to be one of the ones that did that. We get to be a part of a greater miracle. They took the physical bread that just a few hours later was digested and gone, and they were hungry again. We get to carry the bread of life. We get to share the message of the gospel. And if we want to get the most out of what God is doing, we need to be a part of the work. We need to be going. We must have God's blessings. We have a crowd-sized task with a child-sized lunch as we share the bread of life with those who are spiritually hungry. The work that God does through us is the natural outflow of that work that God is doing in us. The faith that he was developing in Philip and the disciples was a part of their task of sharing the bread of life. And it's part of the work that he does in us. As we serve, he sanctifies us. 
Are you getting the most out of what God's doing in your life? God did not save us to be reservoirs. He saved us to be channels. You see, a lot of us want to just be a reservoir and the water flows, the blessings and the grace flow into us and we just sort of keep it to ourselves. God pours into us so it will then pour into others. That's the, the going. Experience the work God is doing in you, but then also experience in this the work that God is doing through you. So we grow and then we go, but then I want you to see down near the end of this. Here's the point of the miracle, and that is the message. We get the most out of it when we grow, when we go, but then when we know. What is the point of this? The point of it is always Jesus. I remember hearing the story about a little boy sitting in Sunday school. He'd never been in Sunday school before. And the teacher asked the question, and she looked right at this little boy, and he had no idea. And the little girl sitting next to him in Sunday school leaned over and said, just say Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. I want you to know that the message is always Jesus. Why? Because it's not the message about Jesus. The message is Jesus. What does, God, what does John call Jesus in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the what? Word. What is a word? It is a communication of the heart and the mind of God. Jesus is the message himself. Jesus is the word. And so the point of this miracle is not just about filling the belly. Look, I, I want the meal. I want God to meet the needs. I want God to do what only God can do. And I love the miracle. I love to see when God does things in such a way that we stand back in amazement and say something supernatural took place. Something amazing took place. But in the midst of that, I don't want to miss that my God loves me so much that He wants me to know Him. He wants me to know His glory. He wants me to experience His glory. And when we come together, and I've been in services where it was great to be in church, and there was something unusual that took place, but people walked out and the effect of that service ended at the door or at the restaurant of fellowship afterwards. I want something that when I walk away, I want to have seen Jesus. I want to see God. I want to experience His glory. I want to know Him. And that's what takes place. Look down with me in verse 66. In verse 66, it says, From that time, many of His disciples... This is not talking about the twelve. It's talking about the others that followed Jesus for a time. Many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. What was the problem? They were offended by the message. They loved the meal. Boy, how nice would it be to always be around Jesus and never have to worry about a meal, never have to worry about going hungry. Jesus meets all of our needs. Be amazing to get to see the miraculous happen on a regular basis. The crowds came, why? Because they saw the miracles that Jesus did. They loved seeing the miraculous take place. But when it came to this message, they turned away. But here's, here's the few that got the most out of what Jesus was trying to convey, what God was doing. Jesus said in verse 67 to the 12, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else can fill our bellies with food? Is that what the Bible says? 
Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else can we see big things take place like this? It's not what he says. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's something far more than just the superficial. There's something far more than just the the basic. God has something far greater for us. Something that touches us not just in this moment, and not just for the rest of our lives, but for the rest of our, the existence of our eternal souls. He has the words of eternal life. They not only enjoyed the meal and participated in the miracle, they also knew the message. They knew Jesus. That's getting the most out of what God is doing. Whatever God is doing in your life, whatever challenges God has allowed in your life, whatever difficulties you're struggling with right now, whatever burdens you've been carrying for a really long time, and you wonder, is God ever going to bring some relief? Whatever joyful worship experience you get to be a part of, get the most out of it. Whatever God's doing in your life right now at this moment, Get the most out of the miracle. God is working. I believe he's working this morning. I believe he's speaking to some. I believe he's speaking to someone this morning about trusting Christ as their Savior. I believe he's speaking to some Christians this morning who are going through the deepest valley. I believe he's speaking to some Christians who are just puzzled by what's taking place in their life. He's at work in all of our lives. And our prayer this morning needs to be, God, don't let me miss what you are doing. In a moment when we have the invitation, you may need to come and kneel at this altar and pray that prayer and say, God, I want to get out of what you're doing in my life. I want to get the most out of it. I want to know you. Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to us and that we will respond. May our prayer... B, Lord, don't let me miss what you're doing. Let me get the most. Let me know you through the miracle. We pray that this morning, Father, in the name of the one who has the words of eternal life, the one who is the bread of life, the one who satisfies our deepest needs.